In our Bibles to John chapter number 11. John chapter 11. Names and titles of Jesus Christ tonight. Don't let this scare you. Jesus is called Master. Jesus is called Master. It means just what you think it means. You don't have to look in a Greek uh, lexicon or the back of a Strong's Concordance and hope you can figure out some way to water it down so it doesn't mean what you think it means. It means exactly what you think it means. It means one who owns, controls, possesses, and commands another. Now you can, you can say you don't like the idea of Jesus being your master, but someone is your master. It might be your flesh, it might be the devil, it might be uh, your, it, it, uh, Jesus Christ. But somebody, somebody's running your life. People say, well, I'm just, I'm just free to make my own decisions. No, no, the, the world's going to direct you, the flesh's going to direct you, Satan's going to direct you, or the Word of God's going to direct you. Somebody, somebody's always going to have you under their influence, have you under their control. Uh, it's okay with me if Jesus is my master. Uh, he's, he's proved his love. He's proved that he has my best interest in his heart. And so I'm going to allow him to take that rightful place. All right, Father, we ask tonight that you'd help us as we study your word. Uh, make it a blessing to our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. My, my wife, she said, she always lets me know on the way home from church if it was uh, a 10 or a 2. It was made sense. Was a dust. She said, you seem very distracted this morning. I am very distracted. We, we've got all this uh, foolishness going on in town and, uh, and uh, former church members doing stuff and social media doing stuff. And I, 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 I try to just, I mean, normally I'm pretty good at, at, at what they call it, compartmentalizing. There's just a lot happening all at once and Hard to stay concentrated on any of it. But aren't you glad we're studying these last few months the names of Jesus? I, I told the Bible school class of the night, if we were still in Second Kings with all that brutal, uh, wicked, wicked kings and apostasy and backsliding, I don't know if we could handle both. But, but it's, it's a joy to be talking about how good Jesus is while... Uh, all these other things are taking place. So anyway, Jesus Christ is Master. He called Himself Master eight times. He is called Master by others ten times. John 11 says in verse number 27, she's, uh, well, let's, let's back up a little bit. There at the, the grave of Lazarus, verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ. Which is exactly not what he asked her. <laughs> he didn't say, do you believe I'm the Christ? He said, do you believe I'm the resurrection and the life? But if you get answer, ask a question too hard to answer, just give an answer to a different question and hope that the Lord of glory won't notice. She said, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. Now look what the Bible says down here. Come on down to verse number... Um, let's see how much this we need to read. Verse number 39. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. 
Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I unto thee, that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. Now look in verse number 43. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. So, Jesus is called the Master. When he says, Roll away the stone, some object, some respond and roll away the stone. When he says, Lazarus, come forth, the grave submits, death submits, Lazarus comes forth alive. When he, when he says, loose him and let him go, they, they, they step up to the scene, they loose him and they let him go. It is one thing to call someone the master, it is another thing to do what he says. And in this passage, we see some who are alive, willingly doing what he says. We see one who is dead, doing what he says. But we see the Lord's mastery on display. The living have an option. I may obey the master and serve the master, or I may disobey and and buck up against the master, but he is still the master. If he wants the stone rolled away, it will be rolled away. If he wants the resurrected man loosed from his grave clothes, he will be loosed from his grave clothes. If he wants a dead man to come forth, that dead man will come forth. Now, the question is, will I get the blessing? of being the one who rolled the stone away at the Master's command? Will I get the blessing of being the one who took the grave clothes off off of Lazarus at the Master's command? But He is the Master. It's it's hard for people to understand in this world where so few are obeying the Lord Jesus Christ. That does not take away from His position as the Master. It just takes away from the reward they could have enjoyed and the abundant life they could have enjoyed had they stepped up and responded to His instructions and to His direction. What we see in this passage is the blessed truth that on the other side of the grave... There will be no opposition whatsoever to his mastery. There were some some questions raised by those this side of the grave. But Lazarus had no objection. The grave had no no response. The, The hold that death had upon Lazarus was loosed immediately when the master spoke. Death, which is subject to God, obeyed. The grave, which is subject to God, obeyed. The dead body of Lazarus, the soul of Lazarus, all of which are subject to God, obeyed. The only place Jesus has any trouble displaying his mastery is among the living descendants of Adam, who always want to make sure before they obey the master, they let him know that he really doesn't know what he's doing. Master... (laughs) Don't you know he's been dead four days? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I knew that. Uh, Master, don't you know what happens to somebody after they've been four days? Yeah, I've been watching it longer than you have, lady. (laughs) Now roll the stone away. And it it just, it, 
I, I don't know if it frustrates the Lord or to, if it amuses the Lord when we offer our suggestions and when we provide our input and, and when we, you know, those of us who have been alive for so long, when we go to God in prayer and tell Him what we know so He can adjust His answer to prayer and make sure that it gets lined up with our vast understanding of the situation. I think the best thing to do if he is the master is run over there and roll that stone away. If he is the master, hurry over and get those grave clothes off that fellow because he's coming up from the dead whether you help or not. And he's going to be loosed and sit at the table and dine with Jesus whether you help or not. Let's, let's get in line and just hurry up and do what the master says. We'll find out it's always for the best. Look at John 13. John chapter number 13. John 13 and verse number 13. Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. I can't read those verses without thinking of Sister Marin Crace, who almost every month for all the years that she was with us before she went to be with the Lord, when we finished having the Lord's Supper, she would say, and why are we not washing feet? And I would point out to her that it's an example, not a commandment, and that Jesus gave us an example to wash one another's feet, but he didn't give us a commandment to wash one another's feet, for which personally I'm quite thankful. I don't mind too much touching a communion tray that you pass to me. I'm not sure I want to touch your toes, and I sure don't want you touching mine. Now, anyway, we read this verse a week or so ago about Jesus as being the Lord. He said, when you call me master, you say well, for I am your master. And yet, look at the example set by this most unusual master. Who among us, when we, when we hear that word master, and as I said, when we're reminded, it means just what you think it means. Who thinks of a master as kneeling at the feet of his subjects and washing the feet of those over whom he has dominion? What a most unusual master Jesus Christ proves to be. He doesn't exercise mastery for his benefit. He exercises mastery for our benefit. Hallelujah. Now, if you've had children or grandchildren, you know that the children had a lot of problems, but the grandchildren were splendid. And, and that's really the only difference between them. But when, you're, when your child is first sitting in the high chair and figuring out how to get the Cheerios from the tray to the mouth, you can only watch for so long before you step in and exercise your mastery. When it comes time to learn to use the spoon, when it comes time for the fork to start heading for the eyeballs, 
You want the child to learn, but you want to step in to help. Later, it's learning to ride the bicycle, or later, it's learning to do the times tables. You are, in every one of those situations, the superior. And yet, your desire is for your child to be fed. Your desire is for your child to learn to feed himself. Your desire is for your daughter to learn to ride her bicycle. Your desire is for your kid to finally get out of the first grade. So while you are the master, and while you step in and say, No, let me show you how to do it. No, let me, let me, I demand that you do it this way. It is out of a heart of love. It is out of a motive and a desire to make that child's life better that you intervene and at some point take over. Now I'm glad that I have a master in heaven who wants to do more than just make sure I plow my field and make sure that I harvest enough grain and make sure that I pump and haul enough water and, and make sure that I, that I clean the barn sufficiently. I'm so glad that I have a master who will step on the scene and say, no, let me show you. This is how it should be done. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. The way of transgressors is hard. Follow me. I'm glad that I have a master who doesn't desire to exercise power over me, but who desires to guide and direct and instruct me so that my life can be as good and as blessed as it possibly can be. That's what he said. He said, you call me master, but you don't get it. Watch this. And he gets down at the feet of men who wear sandals and walk on roads that are not paved. And he begins to wash the mud from between their toes and clean the dirt out from their fingernails. What humiliating work. And there the Lord of glory is bowed before a man who will curse and deny him. He is bowed at the feet of a man who will sell him for 30 pieces of silver. And he's saying, watch what I'm doing. There's more to this than washing your feet. I am showing you that though I am your master, I want to help you. And thank the Lord for a master like the Lord Jesus Christ. There's there's not another one. John chapter number 20. John chapter 20. John 20 and verse number 11. This is resurrection morning. Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. As she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And see the two angels in white sitting the one at the head, the other feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Jesus wasn't laying there. The body of Jesus had been been laying there. Jesus having fellowship in paradise. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself, and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Praise the Lord. Now, look down at verse number 18. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, 
and that he had spoken these things unto her. So, she said, verse 13, they have taken away my Lord. When she left, she went and told that she had seen the Lord. But when she saw him face to face, he who is the Lord, she referred to him as the one who was her master. Praise God. See, there is one who is the Lord of the harvest. But are you one of the laborers whom he has sent into that harvest? He is the good shepherd. Are you one of his sheep? It's, it's a, it is absolutely true. He is the Lord of lords. He is the Lord of all. But I am happy tonight to say that I am one of his purchased possessions. He bought me with a price. I belong to him. He is my master. Now, nobody likes to talk in this terminology because of the, the political correctness and indoctrination and so forth. So, every time you, you go down this road, you, you gotta walk real carefully. But the Bible says in Ephesians 6 9, servants obey your masters. Bible says in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 1, servants obey your masters. So, let's go back in time to the, to the days of slavery in Europe. When my forefathers were slaves. And the, the wealthy land baron would come into the square, to the slave market, and, and he, would, he would view the slaves that had been captured from different tribes and taken in battle, and he would say, I could buy that one, but I don't want him. He's not strong enough. I could buy that one, but I don't want him. He's too old. I could buy that one, but his time in the 40 is, is too slow. I, I could buy that one, but he doesn't tackle very well. I, and he, and he's, he's looking over the slave market to decide whom he wants to purchase to be his possession. And word gets out, that man doesn't beat his slaves. He feeds them steak. That man doesn't make his slaves sleep in a tent. They have mansion houses to live in. That man doesn't abuse his slaves. He loves them. And you're hoping, oh, oh, buy me, buy me. Look, look. <laughs> All choice right here. Take me home with you. And how thrilled you would be if the loving Lord, and the gracious Lord and the gentle Lord bought you and made you one of his servants. And on the way, and, and, and when you got together, uh, you know, in, in off season to talk about how things had gone during the last cotton picking season or what, whatever it was, you could say, you know, you guys complain all you want, but my master is the greatest master anybody's ever had. My master is kind. My master is, is gracious. My, my master treats us, I'm telling you, he treats us as well as he treats his own children. What a difference that would make in your life. And I am so thrilled tonight to say, the Lord is my master. He could have passed me over and said, you're not, you're not worth purchasing. He, he could have looked at me and said, you got nothing to offer me. He could have said, well, I've, I've had a million workers that were, were fit for my service. I don't see what you could ever accomplish, but he didn't. He stopped and he said, you want to go home with me? Well, of course. And he said, I'll buy that one. And he, and he looked at every one of you and said, you want to go home with me? You want to go home with me? You want to work for me? You want to, want to go home with my, 
And every single person who ever said, I would like to go with you. He bought you with his own precious blood. What a blessing that the Lord is my master. And I hope you, I hope you don't resent that terminology and I hope you don't resent that, that biblical reference. He owns me. He bought me. I am not my own. I am bought with a price. I belong to Jesus. But you know what? That's okay. It's all right. He's never made an inappropriate request. He's never made a a, a questionable demand. His ways are always right. Always for the best. All right, let's go to Matthew 6 and 1 Corinthians 6. Matthew chapter 6 and 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. Nevertheless, many who have been purchased by Jesus Christ at some time or another resent being someone else's property. Just the facts. Young people really struggle. They hit a certain age. They resent Jesus' ownership of their life. And they imagine if they could get away from a church that reminds them that they belong to Jesus, it would be easier to rebel against their master. Well, the flesh is a much crueler master than Jesus Christ. And it won't take you long to find that out should you ever make the wrong choice. But the Bible says here, In this great uh, verse from the Sermon on the Mount, No man can serve two masters. One wife is enough, sir. You you don't, don't need a second one. No man can serve two masters. Now look, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now this curious phrase, you say, well, man, what's he talking about mammon? Verse 25 what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall put on. That's what he's talking about. Verse number 26, uh, or uh, 27, your height. Verse number 28, lilies of the field, toiling and sowing. It is not possible that I can belong to a career and belong to Jesus. I can have a career and belong to Jesus. But I cannot belong to a career and belong to Jesus. Every day of my life, I am forced to choose who is going to have the mastery over my life. There are people tonight, by the thousands, all across America, who chose not to serve Jesus... Because their family members did not want them serving Jesus. Well, you can't serve both interests. You can't serve the family reunion and serve Jesus. You can't serve the financial system of the United States of America and serve Jesus. You can't serve sports and entertainment and pleasure and serve Jesus. There is a place in every life for recreation. 
There's a place in every life for finance and money. There's a place in every life for employment and for jobs and for career. But someone is going to be your master and you will have but one master. And Jesus Christ is the master. He can make your career rewarding. He can make your family life rewarding. He can make your leisure time rewarding, but only if he is allowed to govern. What do we mean? Well, everybody's cutting this corner and that corner in the business world, but Jesus says don't do it. Everybody's cheating on this and cheating on that, but Jesus says don't do it. Everybody is breaking this contract and dishonoring that commitment, but Jesus said don't do it. Will you in your business allow Jesus to be your master? You have a family. Well, what's wrong with a little cheating on the side? What's wrong with a little flirting over here? What's wrong with a little, uh, you know, a little uh, Facebook uh, internet hookup over here? Jesus said don't do it. Look, you can have a family, but is, are you going to have a family with Jesus as the master? There's nothing wrong with a little playtime, a little recreation. But are you going to skip church to kick a soccer ball? Are you going to miss prayer meeting to throw a football? Who's the master? Will you say, coach, I'd like to be there, but we have church. Or will you say, pastor, we can't make it, we have game. See, you're going to serve somebody. Jesus said you can only serve one master. And you better, you better choose wisely. Because the, uh, those of us that are now in our, well, let's just say in our post-prime years, the only thing we have left of sports, bad cartilage, bad joints, replacement teeth. That's it. The glory's gone. The cheering of the cheerleaders is gone. The write-ups in the newspaper are gone. That's all over. The coach that asked you to run through the wall for him, he got fired in two years anyway. <laughs> He's retired living down at Oak, Oakwood or Shady Acres or Majestic Pine Trees or whichever rest home he's in now. That's the way that thing goes. Whatever you put ahead of Jesus, it'll fade out of the picture. Let him be the master. 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6, the Bible says in verse number 19, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. It's my body. No, it's God's body. Well, don't you think a woman has a right to do what she wants with her body? If her body's her master, then she'll have to serve her body. But if Jesus Christ bought her, her body belongs to Jesus Christ, and He's the master. Sir, you bought with a price? Well, I mean, what's the difference? I can drink if I want to. You can drink if you want to if your body's, if, if you're, you're the master or your body's the master. But if Jesus bought your body, you can't pour anything into it that he said don't pour into it. He's the master. He bought 
my spirit. That's what he said. He bought my body. That's what he said. If he's the master, he owns it. He governs it. He controls it. Now, I'm okay with that. Because he knows what's best for me. I'm okay with that because he loves me. Praise the Lord. I, there aren't any statistics on how many people have been been run over, killed, had their bodies maimed and broken because somebody was driving home from church and just heard one too many Bible verses. Another another DUI under the influence of Scripture. There'll be more funerals this week because of booze than anything else but old age. And you're telling me street preaching's a problem? Really? More marriages fail this year because of booze. And you're telling me street preaching's a problem? More children beaten. More children left to, to, to go hungry at night because of booze than anything else. And you're going to tell me street preaching's a problem in town? Somebody needs to wake up. You got a scourge in this town. You got a problem in this town that hurts people. It's a liquor traffic. How come nobody's saying anything about that? Well, those preachers, or those preachers hadn't hurt a soul, and you know it. So you don't like it. I don't like booze. Let's outlaw that. <laughs> well, we tried that, and people. Well, yeah, I know we did. We sure did. All right. So, who owns your body? That's your master. Who owns your spirit? That's your master. Inside and out, I belong to Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians 7. Let's, let's start at verse number 21. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it, but thou mayest be free. Use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. I don't belong to the world anymore. I belong to Jesus Christ. The world doesn't tell me what to do. Jesus tells me what to do. The world doesn't tell me what's important. Jesus tells me, what, tells me what's important. I am bought with the price of His precious blood. He is my master. Amen. Luke, let's go back to Matthew 23. Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23, Matthew 23, verse number 8. But be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. See that? My master, he's your master, he's your master, he's your master, he's your master. We are brethren. No masters among us. One master, Jesus Christ. All of us subject to the same master. What a way to go. What a way to live. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter number 5. Here's a classic example of my approach to the Lord's 
mastery, you might see yourself in here. The Bible says in Luke chapter 5, and verse number 1, it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, (laughs) wouldn't that be nice? He stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Okay, now look, Simon, we'll see this more in a minute. Simon is a fisherman. He owns a fishing boat. He owns fishing nets. Earlier, he has been told to leave all and follow Jesus, and he left all to follow Jesus. But he still owns a fishing boat, and he still owns nets, and he still has a house and a wife, and Jesus is going to go to his house and heal his mother-in-law. So, He has a house, but the house is not his master. He has a family, but the family is not his master. He has a business, but the business is not his master. So this man, who is a fisherman, is told by a man who is a carpenter, stop mending your nets, put the boat in the water, I want to use the boat. And you know what he does? He stops mending the nets. He puts the boat in the water so Jesus can use the boat. That's what it is to have a master. I have a car, but it's available any time, night or day for the Lord's use. I have a bank account, but it's available any time, night or day for the Lord's use. I have a home, I have a family, but all are available at any time for the Lord's use. That's what we're talking about. Not to give up everything you ever owned. You have to give up control of everything you ever owned. Not to a church, to Jesus. And that's what Simon apparently has done. Verse number 4, now when he left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, so far so good. All looks great. Master, we have toiled all the night. That is, those of us who know about fishing. My dear carpenter friend. You know why we toiled all night? Because that's when you catch fish around here. Master. And have taken nothing. Wrong moon, wrong temperature, wrong season, wrong lake. We tried this thing. We were out there all night just letting you know, Master. Just want you to know before I do what you ask that I am registering my objection ahead of time because I know better than you do and I just want you to remember when we waste our time out on that lake, I told you so. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. So, reluctantly, he's going to do what the master said. 
Well, he's not going to do what the master said. This is my problem. You ready? I'm going to show you my problem. Maybe it's yours. Verse number four. Launch out into the deep. Let down your N-E-T-S. Nets. Peter said, I'll throw one in just to prove to you that you're wrong, master. I will obey to the extent I consider it proper. But I will not go any farther than I think I should go. Because while I call you master, I'm really running the show here. So Peter lets down one net when the Lord told him to let down every net he had. But he's calling him master. Now, is there anybody, I'll close my eyes if you want me to, is there anybody besides me who would say tonight, you know, I do obey the Lord, but not all the way. I do what he says, but I kind of temper it some to make sure that I don't ever go beyond what I think is reasonable. See, that's, that's how we are. Now, what happened? Verse 6. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. See, the Lord had this gigantic blessing for a man who would obey him. But the man who only partially obeyed him, that blessing turned into a great big problem. All the nets were needed. All the nets could have easily handled all those fish, but one net can't handle it. Oh, Lord, i got all these problems in my life. Yeah, I know. Because you only did part of what I told you to do. I know because you only went 10 paces, and I told you to go 20 paces, but you went 10 because you thought I didn't know what I was talking about, and you did. And so now the blessing I wanted to give you turned into a problem. How many, you ever had children? Anybody ever had children? Here's what somebody should have put in those books about child raising. Tell them one thing at a time. Because if you tell them three, they're crying, you're yelling, and nobody knows what's going on. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go in your room. I want you to pick up all the garbage. And I want you to put it in the garbage can in the garage. Fifteen minutes later, you're wondering, when are they coming out? There can't be that much trash in there. And you go knock on the door, what are you doing? You told me to go to my room. <laughs> yeah, what else did I tell you? Uh, be good? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> partial. Partial obedience. And how many times does the Lord write a chapter for us? And we picked a verse out, and we obey that verse, and then say, okay, where's my reward? Your reward? What about the other 26? Oh, 26 what? What did I do? As Peter let down the nets. Master, I'll do just what you said to the extent I think you're right. He let down one net, and now he's got a problem on his hands where he would have had a great blessing. Okay, so verse number 7. They beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships 
So they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. See, I, I didn't obey you. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James, another fisherman, and John, sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to the land, they forsook all and followed him. Now, we mentioned this in Bible school the other night. It bears repeating for those that were there. And everybody wasn't there that needs to hear this. It's one thing for you to say, I'm going to set out and follow Jesus. I'm going to give up everything for the Lord. When you've got a $300 car that might not make it to Bible school... And 15 hours a week at a fast food place. When you've got a house and career and money and kids and commitments, that's a, little, that's a little tougher, isn't it? You know when these men left all to follow Jesus? Not when their nets were empty. When their nets were full. You can understand, if Jesus had said, you guys been out there all night and got nothing again? You've got to go broke doing this. Why don't you follow me? Well, what do we got to lose? But when they bring in the greatest catch they've ever had, and they got two boats so full of fish they're about to sink, and they can just hear, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. I mean, that, that's big money sitting there. And at that point, Jesus said, why don't you come with me? I'll make you fishers of men. And when the nets were full, they left all to follow him. You know, a lot of people say, well, when I retire, I'll serve the Lord. Or since I can't find a good job, I'll serve the Lord. How about right now? How about let him be your master right now? In the prime of your life, in the fullness of your strength, at the peak of your income. What could you give to Jesus now compared to when you're on Social Security? What could you do for Jesus now compared to when your body begins to, to break down on you? What could you do for Jesus with all your prime years ahead of you instead of giving all your prime years to material things and then giving God a little bit of leftover? If He's the Master, He's Master when you got a good job and when you got a bad job. He's the Master. He's Master when you got a bunch of little children and when the children are grown. If He's the Master... He gets his way today, not later. He gets his way in full, not in part. He's the master. Second Timothy chapter 2. We'll make one more stop here. Second Timothy chapter number 2. Second Timothy 2. Verse number 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. You've got some things in your house that you hope never get broken, and you've got some things in your house that no big deal. You've got some things in your house that, that you'd file a report on if they got stolen. You've got some things in your house that if they turned up missing, good riddance. Everybody does. 
Now in a couple of months, we'll be having a yard sale here, and we know what we're going to get. <laughs> the things you don't want that you bought at last year's yard sale. <laughs> we got some things at that yard sale every spring. I, I, I've gotten to know them. It's like, oh, there, there comes that thing again. It keeps coming back around. All right, so what's he say? 21. If a man therefore purge himself of these, the things that aren't worth having, he should be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Is he the master? Then why not get those things out of your life that are keeping you from being his servant? See what he said? Look, look at 20. There are some things in the house, gold and silver. There are some things in the house of wood. Now, every one of us knows at the judgment seat of Christ, when the deeds of our life are tried, some pass through the fires, gold, silver, precious stones. Some are consumed, wood, hay, and stubble. Knowing that is true, why do we keep so much wood, hay, and stubble in our lives? If it's just going to be burned up and, and profit me nothing eternally, why am I clinging to it now? It's keeping me from reward forever. So you go through the house, you say, well, I would serve the Lord, but I want to play with that. Get rid of it. I would do more for God, but I really like just spending some time fiddling around with that. Get rid of it. Well, what's wrong with it? Nobody says there's anything wrong with it. It's just wood. It's not gold. It's not silver. It's cluttering up your life. It's keeping me from being fit for the master's use. Fair enough? Come on, tonight, tonight, I'm not, I'm not asking anybody for, for, to, to say anything. But tonight, if you took an honest inventory of your life, your possessions, your property, your activities, if, we, if every one of us did that, what could we point to and say, you know, honestly, that's just in the way. It's not a bad thing, but it's keeping me from serving God. Well, if you could say that today, you can be assured at the judgment seat of Christ, it's torched. See, he's the master. And this is what, see, this is what people find so irritating. Why do you know you're going to preach like he's got control over everything in my life? Can't I just come to church? I just want to let down one net. If he's the master. Now come on. Ephesians, Colossians, servants, obey your masters. Let's go back. It's, uh, it's 900 Turks, Muslims have overrun southern Europe. They've captured you. They've taken you home. You're a slave in the, in the master's. I don't know what they had. What did they have? I can't say fields. All they got's dirt. Can't say oil wells. They didn't have that till Brits came and showed them how to find the oil. Anyway, 
uh, whatever they had over there. You're leading the two goats around in the desert looking for the one scrub bush for the goat to eat. Whatever they tell you to do. And you get up in the morning and the master says, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to milk that goat. Then I want you to take that goat over that hill and, and feed that goat. And then and you say, no. I'll milk it, but I ain't walking over that hill. What? Just, just, just more than I want to do. Master. Really? Oh, okay. Well, since you called me master, you get a pass. As long as you call me master, you don't have to do what I say. I'm just kidding about all those commands. I was going to really get mad at you and, and, you know, rough you up a little bit. But when you called me master, that's all I needed. What a money racket they just had on Friday. This that's Valentine's Day. Any of you know it was Valentine's Day? Yeah, Valentine's Day. You know, if you've got two girlfriends on the side and a pornography habit and all the rest of that kind of stuff, and you buy your wife some flowers one day of the year, I don't think she cares. That's probably not going to cut it. Well, good, you bought a box of chocolate. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Big deal. And the fact that I call Jesus Master once in a while, but they'll do what he says, probably doesn't carry a lot of weight. If he's the master, then he dictates. He's the master, he governs. He's the master, we obey him. But what a master he is. Good master, he's called in the scripture. I agree with that. He's a good master. Amen. All right, Father, thank you for your word. Help us, Lord. Recognize you for who you are. We enjoyed this morning talking about you being our mediator. And we look forward to speaking of you as the mighty God. And we, we rejoiced in studying last week about you being the Messiah. But, Lord, help us not to forget that you're the master as well. Help us to recognize that and to practice that in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.